0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 52 of SB Unfurled. And friends, this is Lil Bon X here with SB Unfurled. We couldn't get two wins out of Brooklyn. It was still a fun time down there, and we got some good experience against Auburn. But I think overall, it was a productive trip. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and and both games started out pretty rough. Um, But I think overall, you're right. And, you know, a, a really nice, tough win against Oklahoma state, even though we were down quite a bit, um, you felt like at times the kind of the game, the way the game was going, uh, we probably, were going to have a really tough time pulling it off. We got news of flowers and Luke being out, um, which caught me by surprise right before the game that did not help our guard death, but Micah Adams woods really stepped up against Oklahoma state. And then Auburn, uh, the last minute, of the first half was really bad. The start of that game was really bad, but our guys going into halftime, I was like, Oh shit, we're down 20. I was having flashbacks of the Virginia tech game. And I thought maybe this could get to that level. And we were going to lose by 30, 35, even who knows 40 points. Auburn is damn good. Um, but our guys came out in the second half and really, you know, we were plus three in the whole second half. So avoided having a, a disastrous Virginia Tech type loss but you know you get some really good experience against a team like Auburn one of the best teams in the country I think they look like a, definitely like a sweet 16 maybe an elite eight team if they stay healthy um, so good experience to see that kind of competition and you know the way our schedule has been so far I think each game, either the competition level or the intensity level has ramped up a notch. So I think our schedule has been good and not coming out of the gate, playing someone really, really good or um, having a, a sort of let letdown game before a big game. Like I think it's just increased a little bit from Longwood to an intense rivalry with Canisius, then to, you know, a P5 and Barclays, and then to Auburn and Barclays. So each game um, ramping up a bit ahead of uh, a pretty I would say, I guess, favorable stretch against five teams here. So um, yeah, there's always some parts, especially this early in the year that we can get into that we didn't like, but there are some things that I did like as well.
0: Yeah, I will say that like being in the arena for both games, it felt like a very pro bonus crowd on Thursday night against Oklahoma State, whereas Auburn actually surprisingly traveled really well. I was not expecting that many... That many Auburn fans to be there, especially in the height of football season. They actually lost to New yeah. Mexico in football, so I right. thought that was interesting. I guess maybe they're turning into a little bit more of a basketball school lately because it's been a while for their football team. But yeah, overall yeah. It was a fun time. Uh, shout out to Big Cat Five One Eight, my guy. Had a fun time with him, and yeah, we. Uh, I, I think, I think there were stretches where the um, especially against Oklahoma State, where it was it was really hard to get some buckets. And that's when guys like Mike Mike Adams-Woods and a few others were able to drive to the basket and, and get some points because that game really slowed down. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we scored in the final four and a half minutes or five minutes. Do you remember the exact number?
1: Like, yeah, so Mike, Mike Adams-Woods hits a three with 450 left, right? Yeah. Um, and i had that in my in my little notes here uh yeah. he hits it th- but i can remember i can't even find it but he hits a three with 450 left and if you told me at the time like that's going to be the last field goal we make i would have said there's no there's no chance we win this game but um even though the field goals weren't falling over the last five minutes our guys did a good job getting to the line um banks had some free throws down the stretch he's 14 to 14 on the year at free throws um i know You want more from him shooting from the field, especially from three, but at the line, he's been perfect. Um, Adams Woods, even Noel Brown hit a free throw down the stretch. I think we went eight of nine free throws down the stretch, and we needed pretty much almost every single one of them. Um... Javon Small had a, a good look, and when it left his hand and that ball's in the air, we're up two. And that three ball is in the air. I'm like, oh Jesus, that's going in. Um, but it rimmed out, and you know those free throws were huge. And the, uh, our guys' ability to get to the line when the shots weren't falling was really big. Just gutting out a win—that's what you expect from such an experienced team. Um, some of the mistakes we keep making don't look like an experienced team, like the stepping out of bounds and some of the turnovers that we have. Um, but you know. In moments like that, pride and Adams Woods. Uh, those are that's why you bring those guys in, those experienced guys, veteran guards. Um, so yeah, gutted out a, a really really solid win on a neutral floor.
0: Yeah, I think it was a good experience. I know it wasn't the biggest win over Oklahoma State mm-hmm. since it turns out they uh, might be having some some trouble of their own because they end up losing to a pretty pretty unimpressive Notre Dame team. So yeah. It, uh, yeah, Oklahoma state may have a rough time in the big 12. So I'm, I'm worried that that win may not be the most impressive one in our resume, but I mm. will say, I think the biggest key was really limiting what Javon small did against us because he's uh he's a very good scorer for them normally. And I believe he only had three points against us and it was, yeah, three points. He, yeah, he was, Almost a non-factor. He almost knocked down that uh, game-winning three, though. I will say that was that, – mm-hmm. I thought that was in. I still – it took me about three or four minutes to uh, think that that was not going to go in even after it was shot. That was – it was a it was a decent look, and it, it rimmed all the way around and just barely bounced out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Javon Small is a really, really good uh, player, and we held him to three points on one of five shooting. It was 0 of five from three. He had five turnovers – Um, their other guy, Bryce Thompson, I know he left with like a, I think it was a hamstring or a calf injury only played 16 minutes, but we did pretty well on him too. He was two of six, only one of four from three. So our guards and we talked about this in the last episode what would the key to winning this game be I was we were talking about how it would be our guard play against small and against Thompson and that's absolutely what it was I mean we totally shut them down they had to go to their third or fourth scores like Eric Daly or John Michael Wright um to even be in that game so yeah Adams woods even banks out on the perimeter pride just really tough perimeter defense should have had Grizy on for this one honestly um but, <laughs> Um, And also Oklahoma State, same exact score against Notre Dame, 66-64. They had a shot at the buzzer to try (laughs) Notre Dame. I think it was around the same same side of the court, same type of scenario, Uh, same score, crazy. Um, But yeah, and that was an overtime as well. So really low scoring game for uh, a 45-minute game there.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting ending. I actually got in the arena to see <coughs> the Oklahoma mm-hmm. State Notre Dame overtime, and and I was surprised. I thought I thought Oklahoma State still looks like a more talented team than Notre Dame. Yeah. I was not impressed with Notre Dame, even though yeah. they were able to pull that one out. Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma and and State in-
1: our you know our big run came. I think it was like midway through the second half. Um, yeah, was- Oklahoma
0: State's biggest lead was um, they were up ten with about twelve to go.
1: Yeah. And we gave up a 10-0 run to them and a 14-0 run to them, giving up these big runs. Auburn, as well, had a 13-2 run. These big runs. um, And I think we will, guys like Pride and Adams-Woods, if they can just keep attacking and getting to the line in the middle of these, you just need a guy to be able to stop these runs. Like back when we had Adams and Mobley and Stockard, like those guys could just go get buckets. When a play broke down, and the shot clock was winding down, and you needed a bucket. They would kind of bail us out quite a bit. We need that from a guy like Pride and Adams Woods. But um, our, the run of our own came. I think it was Banks at point, and then Pride Evans, who was awesome. Um, if there was a, yeah. a, a major highlight, I think a lot of Bona fans would say it was Evans and his play on both sides of the court. So it was Banks Definitely. at point, Pride Evans. S.M. Vuce and then Venninger Brown were switching in at the five that that was a lineup out there. It's, it's weird because Adams Woods was the best player on the floor, but our big run came with him on the bench. It's weird how that works out. Um, but you find a way to win a tough game like that um, without Pride or Asa having very good games.
0: Yeah, I want to get back to something you mentioned earlier with 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 Adams Woods. You know, we were talking you know, earlier about Kyrell Luke not being able to play. He may be out for a few weeks. I don't know if you have more information on that. But I, I when I saw that he was going to be out, I was not too worried about um, our chances against OK State because I thought this would be the time that Mike Adams was, would step up. And he did. He mm-hmm. he had a phenomenal game on, on Thursday night. And, yeah he, yeah, he really showed he really showed what he can offer to the team. You know, 17 points and five boards, you know. Very, very efficient overall, I think, um, with, mm-hmm. with, with handling the ball as well. Only a turnover and, you know, dished out a couple of uh, assists as well. I, I think he, I think he's a more dynamic scorer than, than Kyra Luke, to, to say the least. I think that Luke certainly has more than a, an important role on the team. But I do think that going forward, it should be pretty pretty obvious that it's um, Mike Adams Woods at the point.
1: Yeah. And going into the season, I said, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's probably going to be a 50-50 split between Luke and Adams Woods. Some people thought I was crazy. They thought Luke would hardly play at all. But in the first game, I think it was exactly a 2020 split between Luke and Adams Woods. And I figured as the season went on, one or the other was going to win a bigger share of the minutes, whether it was, you know, 30 minutes, first 10 or 25 versus 15, or even up to, you know, 35 and five. Um, but you know, I, it sucks that Luke is injured and that's, you know, maybe accelerating Adams woods, getting a bunch of time. You never want to see that. Um, they are very different players like Luke. Um, I think he's quicker, probably not as good of a shooter. Adams woods, you know, bigger, longer. Um, both can be pesky defenders though. So Luke had, like you said, has a big role on this team. We're gonna need him in big moments. Um, he was playing down the stretch against Longwood. He was making huge plays, hitting free throws, had a nice take, um, especially after getting stripped at half court. And that was a a really if you remember back against Longwood, he got stripped at half court. Longwood came down, made a layup to take the lead. I looked over at Schmidt because I was like is he looking at the bench? Is he going to put Adams Woods in? And that would be just such a huge confidence killer for Luke. He didn't. Luke stayed in, and Luke made maybe the biggest play of the game. So we're definitely going to need Luke. I um, I heard, not sure, um, might be like a high ankle sprain. Um, right. He was in a walking boot. I got some a little bit of bad info because I heard that Flowers wasn't going to play against Auburn. He ended up playing, which was great um both of them sprained ankle sprained ankle he actually had one of our better
0: games against Auburn we'll get into Auburn a little bit but yeah Yeah. like Moses had a good game against Auburn
1: yeah I think both sprained their ankles in practice and uh I think their foot came down on Venning's foot or something so similar situation (laughs) for both of them but yeah Luke's obviously a lot more severe so um but you know this stretch coming up which we'll talk about later five you have five games that are pretty favorable. So, um, yeah, we'll see a lot of Adams woods and, you know, for how banks has been, he's been pretty cold so far this year. A lot of people obviously like seeing Evans at the three in there alongside of SM I love that. It gives us um, a lot different of a look. Evans is so long and active on D. So, um, when, while Luke is out, you'll see banks move to the point. And especially against these five teams that can get um, Adams Wood some rest, it can move Banks down to where Pride and Flowers can play at the two and you can have Evans at the three. It's still, you know, Banks being able to move down to the point does open things up and Evans has earned some minutes. Uh, I think everyone would agree with that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I thought Barry had one of the better performances against OK State, especially he, you know, did not mm-hmm. he was only um, two or three from the free throw line. He didn't actually make a shot from the field, but he had seven rebounds, two assists, three steals off the bench in a, yeah. in a very surprising role because it, the, the Oklahoma State game was especially one of those almost Iron Man five type of games where only Noel Brown and Barry Evans were coming off the bench since Moses mm-hmm. Flowers was hurt. So yeah. Evans stepped up quite a bit in that game, and I think that's a good sign going forward. He didn't necessarily have the points in that Oklahoma State game. He scored a little more against Auburn. uh, But overall, I think he's clearly stepping into his own in this rotation. And then I think Mm -hmm. it's just only going to be a matter of time before he starts hitting some of those shots.
1: Yeah, that's just it's a big like confidence building game. He was pumped up. Um, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't. It might have been Adams, Woods, or Banks that hit a three and forced a timeout, and there was no one more pumped in Barkley Center than uh, Barry Evans. But he's just super, super active on D. He's really long, um, and he just switches on ball screen, switches with ease, really good at hedging and recovering. He cuts off the baseline really well. One of his steals was on the baseline where the guy I think was driving and tried to kick it out to the corner for a three. He stole it. He goes coast to coast, kind of rams into a guy, but he kicks it out to Asa for a three. Um, Just huge plays and big moments. Um, He takes some big risks. Uh, One of the times he went down to double the post, which, I'm not like, depending on who the big man is, I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like when we double the post, we get burned a lot. The center just kicks it out and they move the ball around the perimeter and we're just left chasing it. That kind of happened once or twice with Evans doubling and then it put Asa in a bad position for, you know, led to an open three. But um, I, that, I do like that about him though. He's a risk taker and he does have, like I said, a nose for the ball. He just um, exciting to watch out there. I like watching Evans play.
0: Yeah, I thought he added a lot, I think, even in both games. Even when we get to, you know, we've been talking about a lot of the positives from Oklahoma State. There are some some positives, but mostly, of course, negatives against Auburn with that performance. Um, he was, Barry was asked to, you know, play the five after both Noel Brown and Chad Benning fouled out of the game. which I mean, it was kind yeah. of, the result was pretty much in hand, so it wasn't exactly like a, a real clutch uh, pressure situation. But that's, that's where Schmidt ended up having to go with both those guys fouling out. That's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty much the next thing I wanted to get to uh, with you is, you know, we've seen how the foul trouble got us into some, into some bad situations against Longwood and Canisius. Chad Venning fouled out of both games and it's more of a continuation of what we saw in the first two. Noel Brown also fouled out against Auburn, you know what can be done to prevent this from happening? Cause it just seems like every game, somebody as a big man is getting into foul trouble for the, for the bonnies and it's been that way for years. Yeah. So what, mm-hmm. what can be done to preserve, you know, preserve Benning from getting fouled, you know, basically taken out of the game with 17 minutes in the first half.
1: I don't think the style of defense that we play helps in that regard, to be honest. Um, vent there's a lot and Kenisha's did this and, you know, so it's on film and a lot of teams will probably do this, but they were really doing a good job. Like I talked about on the last episode, I think getting venting out on the perimeter when we're playing that man pack line D if you just move a big man out to the perimeter and Auburn has broom who's, who can hit threes. So, you know, Vening's caught out on the perimeter um, really hard hedges on the perimeter and he has to recover, But, you know, a couple of his were also, I think, offensive fouls. Um, One, he had, like, a hook. I think both of his against Oklahoma State, maybe, his first two were offensive. Um,
0: He definitely had a moving screen somewhere in there.
1: Moving screen might have been one, yeah. And, uh, you know, going zone for stretches, I think, would help. Uh, Planning him down there so he's not chasing around the perimeter. You know, he doesn't have to move around too much. I think that's an option I would like to see. Um, I don't know, like... I do think we have some good personnel for zone. The thing that worries me is our defensive rebounding. Obviously, giving up a ton of offensive rebounds has been a problem. We already have a problem putting bodies on guys, you know, boxing out and not just standing and watching and letting offensive rebounds fall into our opponent's hands. That gets even tougher when you play zone. Like You really have to find a, a body to put yours on to, to block out when you're playing zone and that gets tougher if you're not in man. So, you know, there's a, there's pros and cons to that. So I can see why we don't always do it. But um, the other thing too, I think there's a stat that is, I think on Ken Palm has it and maybe other two foul participation rate. That's how yeah. much coaches play players with two fouls. A lot of coaches, if you pick up a second foul in the first half, you're you're riding the pine for the rest of the half. Um, I want to go a step farther. I want one foul participation rate. I think when Venning picks up a quick foul, and I used to say this about Oshun, I would say this about Nicholson, Endoy, you name it. I think when a big man picks up his first foul in the first two or three minutes, give put him give him a rest. Put Brown yeah, so- in. Especially, especially. Sorry, especially when you have a serviceable backup like Brown, right. um, a good defender, get Venning out of the game until like the under twelve, let him take a rest because so often after he picks up a first, he picks up a quick second. I would love yeah. I, I will love if he picks up a quick first against any of these teams, put him on the bench for a few minutes, let him cool down, let him watch, get Brown in there, then put Venning back in. I think that could be another way to help. And that's under our yeah. control. And that's
0: something that we really haven't had in the last few years is such a really, you know, a very decent big man to back up, um, you know, our Mm. our normal center. Like, Noel Brown has had a very good start to his modern career in just four games. And it it does get frustrating when you see Venning have to sit almost the entire first half. When you look at his stat line, like, he was 7 for 8 against Auburn. He had 14 points. He had, you know. He had even had a nice block there and a couple boards, you know, he's a great offensive threat. He's one of the best offensive threats you've had as a big man since, since Nicholson anyways. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's less of a three point game, but it's definitely an, a a great low post, even some high post move skill set that he has. So it's just keeping him on the court, whether it's, you know, taking him out for two or three minutes, like you said, get him to the under 16, just to, just to relax because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether or not a call was a good call or not. It's going to frustrate you. And if he keeps getting into those two foul situations, then you're done for the second half or for the rest of the half. And then it snowballs to where Noel Brown is now under pressure. And if he gets two fouls, then you're really in trouble because I believe yeah. actually, I think Noel had three fouls in the first half against Auburn and then Vening had to come back in. So it's, it just keeps compounding. It just keeps getting worse. And, I don't know if it's if it's adjusting on these hedges. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's just, you know, telling him to let some of the big men get easy buckets just to prevent getting a foul. Because Mm -hmm. there are plenty of situations where I've seen that I would much rather give up the two points than to get a foul on Venning, even if they even if the other team missed both free throws.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say, too, like maybe not having Venning hedge so many screens, um, really changing the system to fit your personnel. Um, and I know in in some ways we recruit to fit a system, but then sometimes you also have to change your system to fix your personnel or, you know, put, put them in the best position they can be in. But in everything I've heard also about Melian Martinez is that he is just the consummate bona man. He's just, he, I think he won like Mr. Bonaventure last year when he redshirted. Nice. Um, just a great teammate, great kid, really good student, all, always positive energy. You can just tell when watching him. But, you know, if he's not getting in in these situations and the five man is, like you said, Evans or SM Vos, whoever technically was the five, you know, clearly he's not close to being ready. Because in that situation last year, if, you know, Venning and Maluk had fouled out, you would have had Maxim Modison come in, your third center. But right. so our third big man this year apparently isn't ready yet, um, probably needs a, another year. So, um, they, yeah they got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, Brown, you got 10 fouls to work with, but you don't want the situation where Venning's picking up two quick ones because you're just going the rest of the half with with Brown, which is fine, but you he's got to be gassed after playing 15 plus minutes.
0: Exactly. It puts too much pressure on him and he's obviously going to end up making at least one mistake, which would I, mm-hmm. I would expect anybody in that situation to end up accidentally making a mistake. Do you think whether it's Million Martinez or Dwayne Thompson? Do you think there's any space for them to, to, to get into the rotation? I mean, we have a. We'll get into the the games this upcoming week in a bit, but I think this is the big problem that we saw in Auburn was this, um, the, was the foul trouble down low because the MVP of the Legends Classic was, was, um, uh, was Janae Broom. He yeah. had 18 points. He had that insane windmill dunk. I was mm-hmm. I was shell shocked <laughs> that whole last three minutes was um, yeah. it was like the dog PTSD meme with the helicopters in the background that that was I, I didn't even, I wasn't even furious I was just like stunned in the arena that it was happening and hear some war eagles around me it was not
1: yeah <laughs> it was
0: not a fun situation but 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 Janae Broom had a great game and I think if Venning was able to stay out of foul trouble it would have been a little harder for him for for Broom to have such a a, a really impressive performance against us. So getting back yeah. to the original point with what we do down low, do you think Dwayne Thompson or or Martinez can actually get some reps against some of these weaker opponents before we get to FAU next month?
1: I hope so. Um I hope so. You know, and Miles Rose as well, another freshman, he's probably technically buried farther this year on the depth chart just because of all, how much depth we have at that position. Um but, you know, I, I think If they're going to play, it's probably going to be in like a blowout win type situation, which hopefully we have five in a row of Um, not counting on it whatsoever. But when you look at the opponents we have coming up, there is some, you know, hopefully we do have some blowouts and we're up 20 with a couple minutes left. But as far as rotational, if that's your question, I I don't think so. You know, uh, I've watched a lot of Schmidt teams and you kind of can tell by now after a handful of games, what it's going to be. Um, so I, I think if we were going to see him, we maybe would have seen him on Friday. Well,
0: I, I asked that too, because I did notice that uh, uh, Martinez had his jersey off during some points of the second half on the bench mm-hmm. against Auburn. He was kind of, I don't know if he was expecting to or being, you know, optimistic and hopeful that he would get in. He didn't end up getting in. I at that point in the game i would have been okay with it since it was not exactly a game that we really had a great chance in getting back into after that that's that end of first half just
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> avalanche that happened uh, i will say that i think that we played better in the second half of course and i i, I think we actually you know i think we held them to fewer points. Yeah, yeah, we we outscored them in the second half. We, yeah, they only scored Auburn only scored twenty nine points in the second half. We only scored twenty eight in the first half, so it mm-hmm. was pretty comparable. And Auburn was the better team. I personally think Auburn is the best team that we're going to see in this entire regular season. They're yeah. probably better than FAU because yeah. if you haven't kn- known this past weekend, FAU lost to Bryant. And that team, Brian, is in a bit, well, they were in a bit of a free fall, but apparently Phil Martelli Jr. is turning it around as (laughs) they went down to Boca Raton and and beat FAU. So FAU is going to that game ranked number 10 in the country. I, I can't imagine they'll even stay in the rankings if they even barely crack into the 20s that I hope they get ranked by the time we play them again. But I, I think that Auburn team looks better than FAU even did during some of their best points in yeah. March Madness last year. So I right. think it's important for us to hash out, you know, the rotations in these next five games and and just what can happen going forward if we're gonna have some injury issues or foul trouble issues.
1: And speaking of that run, uh we also the end of the first half. So in the first half we Right out of the gate, we gave up a thirteen to two run, um, and Auburn's just clicking on all cylinders. If you watch them against Notre Dame the night before, same thing. They are just very dominant. They can do so many different things. All their guys are just like so many guys that can score in so many different ways. But you know, under two minutes in the first half, uh, Flowers hits a three to make it forty to twenty eight. So we're down twelve. Um, but I wasn't feeling like. When he hit that three, I was like, okay, let's get a stop. And then we got a stop. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go into the half under 10, right? Just down right. by 10 or less, you know, feel, get a little momentum going into the half. Um, but then in the last minute you have an Auburn three, then you have Venning turning it over out on the perimeter, which again, <laughs> like our big men should not be out uh, like 23 feet away from the basket, dribbling between their legs. Um, so he Venning turns it over. That leads to an e, really easy dunk on the other end. We miss a three, and then Auburn hits a three.
0: I got to be honest. That that windmill dunk was pretty sick. That windmill dunk was sick.
1: <laughs> the other guy was, like, jumping during it. So, yeah, Auburn hits two threes and gets a, a really crowd-pleasing dunk. We have a turnover. That's that's your 8-0 run to end the half. So I'm thinking let's go into the half, like, down by less than 10. All of a sudden, in a minute, in just a flash, We're down 20, Um, you know, but that's how it goes. You know, you, I, again, putting your players in the best situation, venting, just dribbling out on the perimeter. Brown was trying to dribble like between his legs or behind his back, 20 feet from the rim at one point. Um, So yeah, that was, that was a crusher, but we, we came out in the second half, like you said, and we, we brought some energy. I was pretty pleased. The shooting has been terrible, which, you know, if if you want to get into that now we can, cause I have some stats on that, but good shooting masks a whole lot of issues and we have not had anything to mask our issues. So all these little things we can kind of in, in a game where we're hitting and we're clicking offensively and our shots are going in, we're probably not thinking about all these things. It just kind right. of exacerbates all these little things.
0: Yeah. I think this Auburn team is just, I think they're on another level than anybody in the a 10 can be right now. I oh, think for sure. they, yeah. you know, they, they hung tight with Baylor and lost a neutral site game. And that was the opening game of the year. But then after Mm -hmm. that, they destroyed Southeast Louisiana before the Brooklyn tournament. And then they obviously destroyed Notre Dame. I think our game was a little closer than Notre Dame and Southeast Louisiana were, but it still was not exactly the most, you know, tightest game. And just looking at Auburn's schedule going forward, it just looks like they're going to go on a pretty big run until they play uh, USC on December 17th before they get into, you know, the meat of their sec play so that they Mm. seem like a team that if everything falls together with them you know 10 guys deep they could you know be a second weekend team in the ncaa tournament but of course getting back to us with the shooting i think that's the number one thing that needs to get addressed right now even more so than the foul trouble down low since noel brown has proven to be a very 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 competent backup to Venning. We are 318th, as I record this right now, 318th in the country in three-point percentage at 25%. That mm-hmm. is rough. That is yeah. really rough against really Auburn rough. and and against Oklahoma State. It was bad. What do you think needs to change? Does it need to be an offensive mindset change? Is it just guys needing to get hot? Because I, I it seems like, you know, Banks has struggled for the most part from shooting in the field. and. Moses Flowers was our only chance at hitting a three against Auburn. So what do you think needs to change?
1: If it was just guys missing clean looks quite a bit or getting good shots and it's just rimming out kind of what happened in the first half of Longwood, I was like, yeah, we're missing, but we're getting really good looks. We'll be fine. Um, That's really not what I've been seeing too much. Asa had a couple clean looks that just didn't fall. But other than that, I feel like we're our offense has just been too stagnant. Um, a lot of it's dump downs, the venting, and four guys standing around the perimeter. Or it's guards dribbling into traffic. Too much dribbling, not enough ball movement. We have 45 assists this year and 49 turnovers. So um, more turnovers oh. than assists. A few games we just really uh, – I, th- I can't remember if it was Oklahoma State or Kine- – I think it was Oklahoma State. We only had like four, uh, three or four assists in the first half. Um, just the ball movement, the half-court offense, I feel like we're not running enough sets, and we're especially not running sets that are getting our best players good looks. And when you think um, so, about how
0: Auburn was doing it too, I believe they had yeah. 17 assists on 19 field goals, and one yeah. of those two field goals that they didn't have an assist was the windmill dunk from Venning's turnover. So <laughs> right. they clearly are able to do what what you you think we need yeah. to get be better at.
1: Really, they're really really good at moving the ball, and it helps when you have so many. Uh, they have depth, they have size, they have strength, but they're also pretty skilled. Like their their offense, they can they have guys that can shoot it. They can drive it. They can hit mid it. Like they're really, really good. Um, but yeah, like you said, 25% so far this year. Um, the thing is we take a lot of shots. We're 92nd in the country. I know that sounds pretty low, but that's, that's actually pretty high 92nd in the country in three point attempts per field goal attempts. That's like what percentage of our field goals are three pointers. So we're shooting a lot of threes and we're, not making many of them, one out of four. Um, Banks so far this year, two of 17 from three. That's just 12%. Adams Woods, four of 15 from three. That's just 27%. SMV seven of 26 from three. That's also 27%. So Banks only hitting 12%. Adams Woods and SMVs, 27%. As a team, we're just 29 of 94. Um, so, and especially when we play at a really slow tempo, Uh, 325th in the country in tempo. Like I, we have said this before, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is when you have to play from behind. Um, and then another thing, if I'm nitpicking a reason, our offense just hasn't seemed into a rhythm. I feel like we have some bad, bad turnovers and that can kill, kill us. Uh, we're 342nd in the country. There's 362 D one teams, I think. We're 342nd in non-steel turnovers. That's just kind of like shooting yourself in the foot, making mistakes, being out of control and, you know, a a defense forcing charges or stepping out of bounds or, you know, throwing it out of bounds or double dribbling or traveling, non-steel turnovers. We have made a lot of mistakes. That's one of the things I was so enthusiastic coming into the season because we had number one in the country in experience. I thought we wouldn't be making a lot of these mistakes just because we have so much experience and pretty high up there, like top 30 or 40 in continuity, which means all our guys have played together a lot. So they kind of know what each other are doing. That should limit all these turnovers. Um, I feel like that is kind of fixable. I don't know what you think about it is the three point shooting and bad turnovers. Is that, do you find that more fixable than some other issues? Like if we had a, um, no yeah. depth or something like
0: that. I do think that's something that can get corrected over time. I mean, you have to think about it. This is still four games into the season, and mm-hmm. the guys were learning on the fly even between Oklahoma State and Auburn trying to adjust to a really fast paced, almost pro style offense of, you know, a lot of assists. Yeah. I think I think it can definitely get rectified as you know, Adams Woods has become more comfortable into the offense in Brooklyn. I still think we need to see Pride take another step forward because he is an incredibly talented scorer and I think once his offensive threat becomes more dangerous for opponents that's when guys like Banks and Flowers and even Luke and Adams Woods can
1: mm-hmm. start
0: hitting more from outside. So I think that's going to have to change and that's going to have to improve, but it's certainly something that doesn't that, that seems possible and it certainly yeah. seems like this next stretch of five teams or well, four teams in the in the 300s in Miami Ohio's you know around 250 so they're not much better but this stretch is where it needs to happen and come through so we got mm-hmm. this weekend this week you know Thanksgiving night before Thanksgiving enjoy a little bit of uh Bonnie's and Bucknell action so Bucknell is 333 overall in Kempom and they have had They've had a they've had a pretty weak start to the season, Uh, got crushed uh, by Delaware and Penn. They beat Niagara up at the uh, Purple Chicken Center there. And <laughs> then they went to our great our great friends in LaSalle, Tom goal Arena. I actually watched quite a bit of that game. They, they hung around, but LaSalle did win by 12. They also went to Cameron Indoor Stadium against Duke and. Yeah, they lost by 30. I can't really blame yeah. them for that. That's nothing yeah. to hold against them. Before us, they will be playing at home in Pennsylvania against Southern Indiana, who almost beat LaSalle. And so that'll be happening on Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday before they play, go ahead and check them out and do a little reconnaissance before the Bonnies play them on Wednesday. So overall, you know, Bucknell's one and four with a question mark of what's going to happen on Monday. But they're, you know, a slight favorite in that game. So maybe two and four. This team, you know, traditionally, you think of Bucknell as one of the powerhouses of the Patriot League, but they haven't made the tournament in about five or so years. One name that's very familiar to people, Jack Forrest. He played a few years ago at St. Joe's, so there's a familiar face. He's one of their better players. Just looking at what what Bucknell has to offer, what do you think is going to be the important parts of, of making sure that we don't follow up a pretty positive Brooklyn experience with an even worse loss than Canisius? <laughs>
1: Um, Bucknell's not very good. Uh, I will say that. However, they do have, they got shooters kind of all over the court, which worries me. I feel like Riley center is a very shooter friendly gym. The sight lines, the rims always worried about a Canisius like, um, performance happening where they just come in and shoot the lights out. We've seen it a lot. Um, their coach came over from St. Joe's along with, uh, their best player, um, Jack Forrest, their coach, played at Bucknell as well, and we were talking a little bit about this. He played against Bonas back in it was uh, two thousand and let's see here seven 2000, eight, I think.
0: 2008,
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, John Griffin the third for Bucknell. He played. He played his college whole college career there. Came into Bonas his senior year. Played thirty minutes. He went o of seven. He was o of six from three. He only had four points and six turnovers against the Bonnies in the Riley center. Um, so huh. I want, I want, I want his team to play like he played when he came here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Bucknell, you, you kind of covered the, the overall thing. They also play Monday and then have to turn around and come and play us Wednesday. That's true. That's not ideal. Um, and it is at home against Southern Indiana, They're favored by two, it looks like, but, um, yeah, that'll be their sixth game. The only team they beat was Niagara, a team that we'll see very soon, but that's a, that's a tough turnaround for a team that's already, uh, you know, we should have an advantage at every position. Um, you looking at their roster, they're very, uh, they're very wiry, I would say. There's not a yeah. lot of beef. There's not a lot of size. And like when you saw, you know, obviously the P5s, but also even like Longwood, Massey and Christmas and their, their guards were beefy, like almost like a Posley type body. Bucknell is really, really thick. Um, but they, you know, just like the St. Joe's teams under Billy Lang, their coach was at St. Joe's. He was the associate head coach, came over to Bucknell, similar style. They shoot a ton of threes. The problem is they aren't, they haven't been very good. Um, Jack Forrest, their best three point shooter, he's 15 of 35, which is really good. Um, over 40%. Other than that, um, this Ruat Bijiak, uh, five of 23, he's the only other guy that shot, more than twenty threes. He's only five of twenty three. So you know they can shoot it a lot, but they have not been a very good three point shooting team. Um, just thirty percent from deep. So uh, they'll they'll probably run out a lineup. And Ed, uh, I think it was Edmund Edmonds, their point guard, did not play in the last game. It'll be interesting to see. I could not find. Any injury information on him because he's their starting point guard. I believe he's the one that did not play against Duke. Um, so other than if, if Edmonds can't go, um, you're looking at Josh Basco at point, and you know they have Forrest on the wing, Williamson down low. He's a, a seven foot center, but he has not been very good. Mata on the wing, and then Bidjiak, like I said, um, kind of like a stretch four. He'll probably be on Asa. So we sh- we have really, really good advantages at every single position thing that worries me is the three point shooting, but, um, we got, yeah, there's, there's no excuse not to handle this team. Um, really hope we come out with a lot of energy and I don't think there will be students there for the next couple of games. So hopefully we got to make our own energy.
0: Yeah, we got to get the Reds fired up on Wednesday, that's for sure, since everybody will be heading home for Thanksgiving. But yeah, I yeah. think you touched on a lot of the big points there. We have to hit our threes and get better at it. I think this is, you know, getting back into the Riley Center could help the guys get back to their three-point shooting ways where they can hopefully, you know, start hitting quite a few shots against Bucknell, against a team that's not very good offensively. They're down the three, or defensively, I mean, they're down the 300s. You look at Bucknell yeah. themselves shooting threes; they're about middle of the road, a little better than us. But you know, let's let's see how they do. They probably played some weaker competition than we have mm-hmm. by and large. Even when you think about Longwood and Canisius, and yeah. uh, just you know, I think it'll have to be a lot of what we talked about with Chad Venning staying in the game and Noel Brown staying in the game too when he when he subs in because Noel Williamson having the height advantage should at least in theory give them a little bit of a, a rebounding advantage. Now, however, we are way better than them at, at rebounding offensively, surprisingly. You would think that we weren't, but apparently we are. They're one of the worst. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you, you mentioned a lot of it. It's, you know, Jack Forrest is a, is a 2-3 combo guard. He's about, you know, what Charles Pride is, but probably a lesser version. So hopefully mm-hmm. there's a, a significant advantage there. Uh, Josh Basco, Rupiak, or, you know, Couple of role player guys that can help them off the bench or, or in, in some spot situations, but you know, by and large, the, the talent doesn't appear to be there for Bucknell. They're not really yeah. highly regarded in the Patriot League, and it would it, it would certainly be one of, if not the worst possible loss. I think they are actually the worst team that we are going to play right now. Yep, technically they are at three thirty three, according to Kempom, just barely ahead of Sienna which, you know, what's going on at Siena? We'll, we can get into that a few weeks from now. <laughs> but, yeah, Bucknell's uh, the right now on our schedule the actual worst team that we're going to yeah. play. So, you know, 16-point <clears throat> favorites on Kempom. So, mm-hmm. you know, watch Vegas. It's, Vegas is probably going to set it at 16 or 17 yeah. <laughs> as they always just basically copy uh, Kempom's home, homework for their, their betting odds for the most part. Yeah, and especially <laughs> early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely early, yeah. So... Yeah, I think Bucknell overall, it's it's a team that can hopefully get the guys shooting well again. And then maybe we can see what I hope is, you know, either Martinez or Thompson getting some significant minutes to, mm-hmm. you know, give us some more options down low. So it doesn't always have to just be on Benning and Brown bailing us out. It, it just, you know, hopefully they can, you know, get it, make this a very comfortable lead Make it a comfortable win so there's not any stress heading into Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. And the the front court is what I'm really looking at. I'm looking at Venning and even Brown to have huge games. I think the front court is going to be the biggest mismatch. Last year, Bucknell really relied on their big men, uh, Screen and Timmerman. They were very uh, post heavy. Those guys, you know, they they could they had size, they had some skill. Screen was one of the best shot blockers in the whole conference. Um they would they would dunk they would you know they they were post was a strength for them last year this year it's really a weakness just no size not much strength um i think we should we should dominate the rebounding battle and venning should have his way as well as brown down low against those kind of weaker um weaker bodies down low um so the the only way that they could counter that is if they get really, really hot shooting. They have not shot very well this year. Um, I, I think – Williamson and Ajaye, they can replicate a little bit of that down low, um, but they don't really have like the overall game to be a a feature of the offense, like kind of like Chad is a feature of ours in in so many ways. Um, So they should not have easy baskets down low whatsoever. We should dominate the glass. Um, Hopefully they're the ones that have the scoring droughts and we're the ones going on all these these big runs. Um, So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's really what I'm going to be looking for. Big, big game from Venning and even Brown down low.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think they have to, you know, help out and prevent prevent anybody getting uh, hot from uh, three point, and by getting offensive rebounding and, th- and things like that. They just have to prevent that. So that will be important to watch. And hopefully, you know, everything works out well against Bucknell after Thanksgiving, after some leftovers on Friday, on Saturday. We got the River or Red Hawks. I'm thinking UMass Lowell, <laughs> the Red Hawks oh, from yeah. Miami, Ohio. They're probably there's probably some River in Oxford, Ohio. I don't know, <laughs> but the River the Red Hawks I almost did it again. <laughs> the Red Hawks from Miami, Ohio, are coming to the Riley Center on Saturday. So they're two and two. They lost a couple, you know, decently close games to Evansville and Texas State around their level in the two hundreds and Kempom. and then. They dominated Coppin State in Eastern Illinois, which are two of the 30 worst teams in the country, maybe even mm-hmm. bottom 20 in the country. Coppin State's one of the worst. So, you know, yeah. they got some good wins for themselves to get their, their mojo going to start the season. And they'll have a, actually eight days off because their last game is was on Sunday. And um, I'm assuming that they're not in any tournament when I when I say that because otherwise they'll have you know, they'll have plenty of time off before coming to play us. And no, I'm I, I'm actually wrong. They are playing in a tournament. They're playing the Miami Classic. So they will be, you know, coming off a tournament this this upcoming week. I'm not sure who they'll be playing yet, but they will be playing in a tournament down in Miami coming up uh, this week. So when we look ahead at Miami, it seems like they are live by the three, died by the three to – Put it very, very mildly. Looking at their stats, yeah. they are they are top twenty five in the country in three point shooting. So if you're expecting one of those Kanishas Davidson type situations to happen, it's probably going to be on Sunday or Saturday against Miami because they they can hit them. They're forty percent. That's that's pretty good. However, they are one of the least experienced teams in the country. They're one of the shortest teams in the country. They turn the ball over a lot, especially. Um, giving up a lot of steals, they get blocked a lot. They aren't very good at defending the, uh, at, at at um at yeah def- defending uh or, or, yeah just in general on defense with efficiency. So when you look at Miami, what are some of the high points that you want to look at?
1: High point. I, I think everything kind of revolves around this Mirambo uh, down in the middle. He's from the Dominican Republic. I think he played at was it Cle- Cleveland State um, transfer, just really, really big guy, nice touch around the basket. Um, similar, like, you know, venting big, nice touch, but he's a really, really good passer. Um, so I, I know the coach wanted to, when I was looking into their team, really surround him with shooters. Um, you know, they they'll, they'll feed it to him and then he's a, a good passer out of the post. So, Um, I know their coach was just raving about him in the off season. He's in peak condition. I think they're going to go pretty deep, like 10 or 11 deep. Um, last year, there was a lot of inconsistency with the team between injuries and eligibility. So they're, they're trying to get some consistency this year. I think that's where it could start. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like this, it's really another game in the Riley center. Hopefully we're coming off of a big win and that's the game where we just can really start piggyback off of a nice win over Bucknell and really start to get the ball rolling because after that we got some rivalry games and we really gotta still I think kind of flesh some things out um but yeah I look at Bo in the middle um he's I think he's probably their uh best player uh 6'8 he's a senior last year he wasn't very good from long range, but I think he can take, you know, hit some threes. Um, but yeah, so they'll, they'll start pretty upperclassmen, a redshirt senior, a senior junior, junior and sophomore. Um, but yeah, they they do have some depth and, uh, I think I I don't expect Luke to be back for that game, but you know, I, I think we can really take advantage of them out on the perimeter, take advantage of our, our, um, I I don't necessarily want to call it a luxury, but I think we should yeah. have a huge advantage at the guard spots against them.
0: Yeah, and I just want to correct something quickly about Miami coming into the uh, Bonnies game. They actually won the Miami Classic in Miami, Ohio. So go figure. There's two Miamis and there's two Miami tournaments, I guess, because I'm thinking, <laughs> why would not go down to Miami, Florida for, for, the, for Thanksgiving? But no, they apparently had a tournament at home, and so they beat Eastern Illinois and Coppin State to win the Miami Classic in Oxford, Ohio, of course, where they're from. Evan Ipsaro had 18 points against Eastern Illinois, and Darweshi Hunter had 16 of his own with six rebounds and three steals. And, yeah, I think overall, I think there are plenty of mismatches to exploit. You mentioned some of the advantages we have at guard, which I think definitely uh, are definitely true. I also look at the, uh, the battle in the paint. It looks like, you know, they – don't have a ton of size they have a seven footer but he doesn't really play very much if at all he's a freshman so he's a bit of a new guy he may not be playing very much if at all if we even see him so Mm -hmm. ultimately it's going to come down to for them jaquel morris and jackson katech and yeah i i think it's more of the same with you know Keeping our interior defense strong, keeping people, of course, out of foul trouble, and then working that offense, whether it's Chad Benning's you know, typical baby hooks and, and great post moves, or it's guys like Pride and Banks getting into the paint and, and getting to the foul line. There are plenty mm-hmm. of interior advantages that I think also work in our favor in addition to some of the exterior things. It seems like with this team, if they, if Miami is not hitting their threes, they don't have a chance. But it seems like they can hit a ton of threes, and if they do that, then it could be, it could be a tough nail biter of a game. Unfortunately, yeah,
1: yeah, and they're I would say their uh, their core group of guys uh, we mentioned Mirambo but um, the other three that are returning under Travis Steele, who was at Xavier, uh, came to Miami Ohio last year. This is his second year there. Their four main guys came back: Julian Lewis, Morgan Safford uh, Mabry and, uh, the big man, um, Lewis and Safford kind of like versatile players. They can, they can play multiple positions. Um, Safford was especially big time stat stuffer, um, really efficient. He was a transfer from Wofford is a really good program. Um, so they have some experience, you know, they have that, that core group of guys, but, um, yeah, it should be another win I would say.
0: Yeah, I would hope so because even though they are the toughest of the five teams that we're playing between now and Florida Atlantic, they are they are not good at all. They are in the two forties. They are you know, they're not very impressive, and mm-hmm. it's going to be important for these next two games to start hitting some threes of our own because then you start getting into some road games at, at SUNY Amherst and Niagara, where yeah. they're unfamiliar gyms, they're rivalry games already dropped one of those and we've had far too many mistakes against bad rivalry opponents in the past few years. So yeah, way too many as you (laughs) outlined last week. So we don't want to continue having any of those issues. So yeah, I think, you know, Two good opportunities to get some more wins in the in the W column there. Since we're only two and two right now, although I will say that Auburn loss I think is going to age well. I was saying to people yeah. after beating Oklahoma State, I'd rather lose to Auburn than to beat Notre Dame, and I think you know Auburn is. I'm very impressed with what Auburn uh, has going for them. Yeah. So I, I don't think we can be too embarrassed by that. With Florida Atlantic having a bit of a upset against bryant to say the least i think yeah. you know auburn will end up being our toughest team that will will play in the regular season certainly tougher than anybody in the a10 so yeah this is a good opportunity to you know be thankful and hopefully we'll be thankful for a couple wins to get us flowing in the right direction as we play some local rivals to kick off december so thank you so much everybody for joining us here on sb Unfurled and friends be sure to follow us on twitter at little At SB Unfurled. Be sure to also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms. Give us five stars and give us whatever good ratings that you can give us, the best ratings, please. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Go, Bonnie's, and happy Thanksgiving to all. we wow.